Welcome to the More Beach Meetings podcast produced by Surf Office. I'm Carson Sweezy. The More Beach Meetings podcast gathers the leading voices of the future of work to discuss remote working, company culture, and team retreats with new episodes the first and third Wednesday of the month. Today's guest is Linda Koenig, office manager of Cardiologs, a medical tech company using AI to transform cardiac diagnostics. As part of the management team, Linda discusses how planning and gathering team feedback before and after retreat is essential for making the most of a retreat experience and why Cardiologs continues to workshop ideas immediately after the retreats to keep the momentum going. So let's get into the show. I think it'd be helpful to have a little bit of context behind Cardiologs before we talk about the specifics of all your retreats. So how many employees does Cardiologs have and where are most of them located? We currently have uh, 30 people here in Paris. That's our main uh, office. And three people from the sales team in the States, in Boston. Okay, so that's where the retreats are most helpful is kind of getting everyone together in the same spot. So what do you do when you're prepping the team before a retreat? Well, we do several things. We start uh, with a questionnaire, which is both on the logistics, on the place we're going, as well on the content we want to we wanna work on while we're there. So this year we had a couple of questions regarding just the general expectations and uh, special wishes. Uh, and then we had obviously very uh, precise question on the, uh, on the content of our, of our workshops. We also had a Slack channel only for the offsite, which was more for the fun part. So I started like teasing before the location was known. I started teasing, we had a little quiz. I sent a, an image of the city to make people find out where we're going. And so as closer we got to the event, as more and more things were shared on this channel. Oh, that's fun. I love the mm. kind of teasing the expectations yeah. and everything. So. <laughs> yeah, and then this very busy, sorry, very busy uh, channel, mostly like Friday afternoons is the most fun part. If everybody needs to get ready for the weekend, we like to look at some pictures of a sunny destination. So that's always good. Builds it into what a treat should be, which is partly a fun experience and, and something other than the typical. So I also, it's interesting that you put out these questions on the content. So were you gauging like what kind of content you wanted or the employees wanted rather, or the team wanted, or was it more like setting them up for this is what we're discussing? This is kind of the theme for this year's retreat. How did you talk about the content questions? It was a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, um, in, in the management team, we had, an, we had an idea of points we really needed to fit in there, but we also left it open on some other parts so we could really engage the team and what they think was necessary to talk about. So it was a mix of like mandatory, uh, mandatory points and, and various subjects, but we wanted to make sure we have the guideline fixed before starting the, the meetings. So in order to keep to a schedule and keep things in a frame, um, because we find if you do too much of a brainstorm while you're there, if you don't have much, much time, then it gets a bit too, uh, too complex. So we wanted to have it framed before leaving. Right, right. So this was like a pre-brainstorm so that you could really just focus on... Um more ideating and less like planning of the brainstorm or just going off and 
different directions, which is pretty easy to do if you're brainstorming, right? Yeah, exactly. What kind of insights did you get from from some of those pre-questions? Like, did it change any of the philosophy of what you had planned to do? Or did you find it just helped set the tone? Like, what was the, how did the team feel about it from their side? We don't really need to set the tone. It's pretty much when we have a lot of meetings as well internally, when we're not on offsite. So we just carry this out. Um, there's not a big change of, of tone or manners or, you know, we just continue being the way we are, um, which, is, which is really nice. What was important for us was to see if the team is heading the same direction, which was the case. So uh, I'm talking about internal subjects in teams where we had a bit of a rough time before. So we wanted to focus on that and we got that feedback as well from the team. They already felt the same way. We also noticed that people were really looking forward to being together. Most people really said that as they didn't even, you know, wonder where we were going. They were just really looking forward to being able to spend time with everybody from the team. So we created that as well, that we really took care of making that time available for people to just hang out and, and talk so we can keep it naturally because that's for us an important part is that you don't sit there and just say, okay, let's go brainstorming or let's go team building. So we wanted to make sure that this is kind of a natural process of, of us being in a house in one spot in hanging out. And, and it went that way very well. It sounds like, um, it sounds like the team really grasped the concept of the retreats, but from your perspective, did the retreat start as this need or was it more of like a benefit, just something nice that was something to bring everyone together? Yeah, it definitely, it started like that and it's still the case, bringing everybody together. Actually, in the first years of Cardiologues, the retreat started, well, when they were five, ten people, it started more like a, like a fleeing the city when it got very hot. So this is how it originally started, it got too hot in Paris and then need to go somewhere. So they went to the beach in, in, in Brittany, in France, in order to get some air. But they were just working away from the office. And we have carried this during the years to something, yeah, with a little more focus. But that's how we, I think we started from the just uh, working away from home and, and slowly made our way to something more precise. So it came from a real need. It always was a benefit and it still is. So we, we, we carry this on as we grow and we keep the spirit of that. I'm curious about the location picking beyond the, the first one where they were just fleeing the city. What goes into the decision process behind picking a location? I know you were in Valencia this year in 2019. Several things. Our CEO, he, uh, he loves the ocean. So originally my task was we have to be by the ocean, which we never really were, but we were always in, in somewhat close range. So we definitely always have to have at least one outing, which goes to the ocean. And we also looking into something which is as family style possible. So that's the, no matter the destination, the actual location needs to be, have a feel from home, away from home. Yeah, and, and we need to have a, as we say in France, a real coup de coeur when we look at something. It goes pretty quick here. We'll, we'll rather look at the place and, and have this feeling we want to have. It's difficult to describe before we look at any prices. So we really go for, for this one place where we think this is us and this is where everybody's going to be happy. 
And so far, we, we managed to do that. And you managed to do that for us. <laughs> it was great. I'm curious of this uh, of this French term. It's Is it this like intimate feeling you were describing in our last call? Or, or what exactly... Yeah, the, the coup de coeur, I, I was actually looking how Google translate, translates that. It was off because it translated with heart stroke, which is not the case. It's like being, you just see something and you're smitten. You see a place and talks to you right away. It's like having a crush on a house or a destination right away. Love at first sight. That's what we're, what we're going for. That's the beauty of uh, most other languages besides English is there's specific words for these like great, uh, real emotional feelings, right? Yes, exactly. We just don't have them in English, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, it evoked that that uh, that for you because that was the next thing I was going to ask you. Actually, is how do you how do you try to keep that intimate feeling? I know that was a big topic, and you wanted to make sure even as the team grows that that you keep that. So. Luckily, you have this word for, is that like your gauge? As if you get, what is it? Coup de coeur. Coup de coeur. Yeah, coup de coeur is like a, like a slap to the heart. Something like that. So is that kind of your metric when you're, as the team grows and as you try to keep that feeling when you're planning these offsites? Or, or what are the things do you look for to try to keep the intimate feeling and kind of that home feeling. And as you put it last time, um, try to not feel like just a big tourist group going and, and kind of feel like you're more interwoven. And what do you look for to create that? Well, obviously, um, there's a bit of logistics involved. So we're trying not to be too far away, not to have too much traveling. And we're trying not to separate people. Although we are, we're on the other hand, trying to be, yeah, stay off the beaten tracks as much as we can. Although I do love hotels, so far we have managed to stay outside hotels just because you're somewhat closer together when you have a house. Um, so for us, it's mostly like a location, a house, or it can be a small hotel, but it's only us. So we need to be only us for us is, is, um, is the best part. And that way you don't get mixed up and you stay, you have people staying together and you have one house and you have one pool and you're kind of making sure that, that there's no splitting up in, in parts. It sounds like it's very natural. It's just getting everyone together and, and then everyone's just living as opposed to um, maybe like curating specific type things. Is there any kind of curation that happens though on the more fun side, like with dinners and stuff while you're in the house specifically, or is it? just totally organic beyond the workshops and everything you're doing outside of it. No, it's nice that we do organize some, some things for the group to experience as well as, as, as well, because you want to give, I, I like, for example, to make sure there's at least one offsite dinner or one, one evening or one activity, something which is a bit of a surprise because it's uh yeah, that brings people together on, on different terms and, and in a new location, and I like, I like them to be catered to a little bit to some extent. It's always nice if somebody takes nice care of you and you're in a nice restaurant or a nice bar or something and you have the feeling that you're welcomed away from home. So it's always good to change things up a bit and go out and go off-site and there we look for the same thing. So super nice restaurant or beach restaurant or surf lesson or all these kind of things are always something that brings us together and creates those moments. If we can zoom out for just a second, back to kind of the structure and the logistics of it, how do you plan how many days and nights and like how much free time versus work time and workshop time and all these different things? How do you go about that or the team? It's a bit tricky 
um, I think obviously for most startups, I'm imagining it's the same thing to make sure we have this time away and keep the business running on the same time. So obviously it's always a challenge and I can never say next year we do the exact same thing than this year because obviously we're growing and it's going to be more people and maybe from different locations. So there's always that we have to to keep um, keep up with this and have to, to stay open for these changes. We first try to look at what's possible for the team, how much travel time is involved for the different parties to get where we're going. Um, we want to make sure that the event we're doing is within weekdays. So make sure people get home by Friday night. That's like pure logistics. Then we have to see, you know, what is the content of our seminar and wrap things up. But usually we, yeah, we know we're not going to go longer than four days. And then we're trying to see, you know, can we get everybody there a day or half a day earlier or uh, anybody wants to stay on the weekend. But yeah, that's usually how we, how we take it. So we know that it's never going to be longer than Monday to Friday. And then depending on how much time we can allow to be away in this frame of Monday to Friday, it's usually three to four days. And then we try to give as much free time as possible, depending on the content of, of our meetings and workshops. And when you're figuring out if people are wanting to stay an extra half day or a day or over the weekend, is that done during the pre-planning kind of questionnaire or when do you get that feedback? Obviously, we have to wait till the destination is uh, revealed to everybody. But we, we, we go uh, bit by bit. So usually once we reveal the destination, this is ahead of time before we actually make arrangements for flights. So once the destination is secured, then we, you know, we, we introduce the team to the destination and then we go, we, we say they're invited to, to take their return flight two days later and we do the logistics for them. And then people usually, you know, decide if they, if they can or want experience a little further, but it's part of our planning. Definitely. I love how ingrained the team is in the whole planning process. It's not just a team of one or two. You're actually getting their live feedback. And, and then I know after the retreat, you do, you do a similar thing, right? You do uh, basically a post-retreat questionnaire. What, what's on that? We do, a, we do a feedback questionnaire, which goes yeah, with very specific questions on how was the travel, how was the, you know, the travel time versus time we spent on the spot, uh, how was the accommodation? How did you like, you know, the activities really detailed, like, let's say on the event part of, of the travel. And then we go into details of the seminar and based on what we asked them before, we asked for details, feedback on you know the questions you had before the themes you raised, or you wanted to talk about, do you have the feeling that we talked about this enough? Is this clearer to you? What do you want us to do? And we continue actually with workshops for a few weeks after the offsite when we're back. So um, we had it this year that there were a few, uh, we created some work groups while we were away. The work groups had different topics. And then we, we meet again regularly once back at the office and work on these same things and really try to finalize what we start while we're away. So people don't get the feeling like a couple of months later, wow, we said so many things and after all, not much was done. So that's very important that we can really not only promise or you know give ideas. So we really want to follow this up and, and finalize it. So people really have this impression of the offsite 
being completed. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a great insight. That's, um, I think a lot of young companies could, could take that and, and, and adopt it because you have all this momentum and then where does it go? And, and having the workshops and the meetings and stuff planned already can help just, uh, kind of close out those loops and everything. And uh, yeah, I love how intentional you all are. I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. It almost seems obvious that you'd have like questionnaires and this feedback and stuff, right? Cause we do that with our customers and yeah. we know that it's important, but with the retreat, it helps again with the intentionality and the focus and it shows that it's more of a strategic thing, right? It's not just a vacation, but like there's actually some value we're, we're getting from a ton of value we're getting from it, right? As a team. Yeah, exactly. I think um, that's, that's what you just said is very important that in a lot of startups, I mean, it, it seems to be starting to feel normal to have this benefit of, uh, of an offsite trip per year, but exactly. It's not just vacation. So, uh, so that's why, you know, everybody should be engaged and feel responsible, but it's mostly as well for the management later to make sure we follow through with what we discussed and, and what, what we discussed and what we, what we decided. So to not leave people with a, with the feeling of, well, you know, nothing happened. So it's, it's, it's tricky though. You really got to be on it. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I, you, I mean, I think we could all just uh, ask more questions probably to you because it sounds like you all have it figured out and uh, you've done some great planning. And I was fascinated by learning about even just the questionnaires on, on our first call. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and then sharing the insights. Hopefully it's helpful for some other people that are listening and and they'll have better retreats because of it. Yeah, thank you. Our guests on the podcast bring up some amazing thoughts on remote culture. How do they keep remote culture from becoming stale and distant when the team isn't physically present day by day? Most, if not all of them, are leveraging in-person offsites. Get your employees out of the office and get ready for an experience that will give you a boost of team spirit. Head to thesurfoffice.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest conversations around the future of work. We'll be back with a brand new guest and some fresh ideas in a couple of weeks. Until soon.